Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. Jerry McCauley. Howdy. And Owen Hughes. Hello. This week our main review is Fast and Furious 6, the sixth film in that franchise, believe it or not. I struggle sometimes. Yeah. Especially when they're all named completely different. There is... There is terrible naming conventions going on with it. They're not just Fast and Furious 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. It's bloody difficult to keep a track of. That's all. Um, before that, we have got what we've been watching. And before that, we have got the quiz. But first, the news. Ba-ba-ba, the news. Um, I think the best thing to quickly just kick off with the news is um, two films that have been quite highly anticipated, have premiered at Cannes over the last couple of days. First one is Behind the Candelabra, the the last Steven Soderbergh film, although technically it's Steven Soderbergh film post-retirement because he's done it for US television, but it will get a theatrical release over here. Um, stars Michael Douglas as Liberace, um, Matt Damon as his kind of almost, you know, his, his long-time lover, uh, over a, quite a few years, actually. Um, it's an HBO-produced thing, but it's going to get a theatrical release. It's actually now um, one of the favourites to win the Palm d'Or. Um, really good reviews on it. I've seen a trailer for it, and Michael Douglas looks brilliant in it, to be honest. Um, so very, very excited by that, and really, really good to hear that Steven Soderbergh is just having this uh, Indian summer in his career where he's just knocking out a few brilliant films one after the other um before retiring <laughs> isn't he retiring? before retiring yeah. exactly well this is apparently part of his retirement he's moving into television he's retiring from film mm. and this is kind of like his semi-retirement because it is for it's for hbo um uh, he wanted to do it as a film but hollywood executives refused to fund it they tried to get funding for four years steven soderbergh tried to get funding for four years with michael douglas um and matt damon attached and Hollywood executives said only gay people will want to watch a Liberace <laughs> film. Wow. Which is just shock. So, yeah, in, in a way... the straightest place on earth. Well, yeah, exactly. I was, you know, what kind of backwards-minded thing is that? It honestly looks really... It looks a lot of fun, actually. It, um, the tone kind of reminds me a little bit of Boogie Nights. Or it's Yeah, it, it looks really good, actually. If you've not seen the trailer, check that out. The other film that did get premiere today... Um, Two very mixed reviews. One that I've been really looking forward to, Only God Forgives, the new Nicholas Winding Refn film starring um, Ryan Gosling. 
apparently ended up with applause and boos at the end of it. There were walkouts. Yeah, a lot of walkouts. Apparently, uh, I I hear that Gosling's got 17 lines in the whole film. Um, So I'm assuming he stands around looking smouldering a lot, which I I have no issue with, I'll be honest. Um, No, uh, apparently even more violent than Drive and with less soul. Which is saying something, really. Yeah, uh, this is a really interesting... Uh, it sounds basically like um, an art house uh, killer... Th- I, I don't know what. Um, I know I'm going to have to watch it, though. Although, weirdly, um, Peter Bradshaw, uh, Peter Bradshaw, the Guardian um, film critic, who called me a film snob, uh, let's not forget that, um, right. he's, given it, yeah, he's given it five stars, Um he gave Inglorious Bastards one star after its uh, can debut. So this is apparently five times better. Um, yeah, inter- he seems to he he absolutely loved it. But I, I, there's a lot of people who really really not happy with it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. Although it sounds to me he's gone back to his winding reference, gone back to his kind of Valhalla Rising and to an extent Bronson just art house violence on screen. It's going to look good, but it might leave you feeling empty. Um, so that, review, it sounds like my kind of film, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And it's, it's, it's Gosling's uh, last film before his sabbatical as well. <laughs> what am I going to do while he's away? Eh? I know, exactly. I genuinely but, feel like that at the moment. I'll, t- I'll yeah. talk about it why in a bit. More on that later, yeah. I know, I know. We're, we're 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 big fans of the of the of the Argos or <laughs> the Argos. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, so that that's all your news there. It's almost like you've been in Cannes. There we go. Is that it for news? That's it. Yeah. Nothing. No. Let's let's move on. Nothing else happening. Okay. No. Quiz quiz time. I can't remember the scores. Uh, I've I've got four. I think someone's got two and someone's got one. I think, I think Owen's one. got two. Yeah, Owen's got two. I'm re- like I said, if I'm winning, I'll remember this score. I'm like a, I'm like Matt Damon in uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting. If I'm winning, I'm all, I'm all over the maths here. Whereas I'm more like Matt Damon in Team America. <laughs> I'm gonna start with Fargo, and then I'm gonna go Air Force One, Boogie Nights, Pleasantville, Mystery Men. James. Yes, James. Is it Peter Skarsgård? No, I've never even heard of him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park 3. Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Yes, Jerry. Um, William, William Macy. William H. Macy. Yes. Well, oh. the... Oh, so you're, that's the far more Very obvious good. one yeah. to go for. Yeah. I'm completely... Yeah, it was a Strom there that was in Fargo, not a Skarsgård. I always get those scant Jurassic Park 3 was the trigger for me. <laughs> That is a word. <laughs> Sneaking up on... Oh, no. No, no. That's two. Yeah, that's fine. Most of these, as soon as, like, whoever it is says who the actor is or actress, I'm just like, oh, of course. How could you not realise? Yeah. Oh, embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, damn it. I'm annoyed there. I had Pleasantville. Yeah. Mm. Oh, William H. Love William H. There we go. Well, up next, we have got What We Have Been Watching.
Welcome back then, and we are ready for this week's What We Have Been Watching. Jerry will be going last this week because he's forgotten what film he's meant to be reviewing. <laughs> so we need to give him a little bit more time to get his brain into here. And, uh, I told you I was like Matt Damon in America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll start off with my review, which is titled The Man from Earth from 2007, directed by... Uh, sorry, written by Jerome Bixby, who is dead now. Um, written a few episodes of Twilight Zone and Star Trek, but nothing sort of major. Directed by Richard Schenkman, um, who, among his credits, lists Playboy, Playmates in Paradise, and Playboy International Playmates. Um, wow. So I think I'll be checking out his back catalogue sometime soon. <laughs> Uh, he also directed Abraham Lincoln vs. Zombies. Um, oh, right, so, I know that. Uh, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Of all of, was that out of, before or after Vampire Hunter? 2012, um, so prob- not probably on the back of yeah. it, yeah, gotcha. Um, it's on, it's but, a mockbuster, I think. Out, mm. out of all of the films of this man's back catalogue that Owen knows, it's Abraham Lincoln vs. <laughs> Zombies and, and not anything to do with Playboy Playmates. But, what you're trying to say? Uh, what you're <laughs> yeah. I'm saying no more on the matter. Anyway, this film um, won't list anyone who stars in it because there is no stars in it. It's, it's kind of irrelevant, but it tells the story of Professor John Oldman. Um, he's moving away from where he lives, and he's invited all his friends round um, to kind of bid him farewell, kind of farewell party, or all his friends come round to bid him farewell. Um, quite conveniently, all his friends are really clever people. They're like historians and biologists and professors, which helps the plot move along a lot because if they were thick people, it wouldn't really help. Um, anyway, it, it, it's revealed. John starts to tell his story kind of hypothetically. Imagine if you were a caveman or you'd been, you'd been alive since the dawn of not time, but the dawn of man um, and you don't age. And the story changes from being a hypothetical thing to this it actually being first person about himself, um, and his friends react in different ways. Some of them believe him, um, some of them just sort of laugh it off, and some of them, as the story progresses, get more and more upset and offended with him and by him and by his actions. And he also says that he's he's met certain you know historical figures and. Um, you know, done certain things, and some of the friends try and catch him out, and uh, it just it revolves around him trying to convince his friends that the story he's telling is true, um, until he kind of upsets them all and then backtracks. Um, it's very good. It's eighty nine minutes long, so it's not good. much. Yeah, but it's, it's a very good film, all centered in one location, all centered in in John Oldman's house. Um, or it's obviously meant to be John Oldman, old man, because he is an old man. Um, anyway, he also did that because some films like that would probably try and do flashbacks and things like that to when he was different stages of his fourteen thousand year existence. Um, pretty much every actor in it puts in a really good performance. Um, David Lee Smith, who plays John Oldman, is very convincing in his role as the the man trying to convince them all that he is 14,000 years old. 
I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Mm. Seems interesting. What's the okay. name again, Steve? Sorry? What's the name of the film again? Uh, the Man from Earth, you can... Or Man from Earth. Uh, you can find it on US Netflix. It might be on other versions of Netflix as well. Uh, only a budget of $200,000 as well. Nice. I've just um, looked it up on uh, IMDb. Tony Todd is in it. Oh, Tony Todd. Yes. So oh. That's another reason to see it. The Candyman. The Candyman, yeah. And I think he features as Death. Or he appears in all of the Final Destination films, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, yes. Um, yes, I can't recommend that enough. Um, James, what film are you reviewing? Okay, uh, kind of like a couple of weeks ago, you know, when we reviewed Iron Man 3, so I caught up on the entire Marvel Phase 1 um, this week, despite the fact that I've still got films like Schindler's List waiting to be watched, um, Tokyo Story, which Owen recommended mm. like in one of the first podcasts we ever did, and I've got it on Blu-ray, still not watched that. I've watched four Fast and Furious films, uh, one of which will be the main review, but that means I'm just going to quickly talk about the other three that I watched this week. And do you know what? I, I've, I've avoided Fast and Furious throughout the years, thinking, just writing it off as some kind of top gear for teenagers or something like that. Why would I want to watch bad actors, terrible music that all, you know, the type of music that young people listen to? Um, and I've got no. I, I drive a Nissan Micra. I have no interest in cars, obviously. Okay, so why would I watch it? And then. Basically, I got quite excited about Fast and Furious 6 because the rock's in it. And so, okay. But completist side of me, I got into an argument, well, not an argument, a discussion with people on Twitter. And they said, well, you need to watch Fast 5 at least because Fast 5 is an amazing action film. And then, really, you should watch um, Fast and Furious, which is actually the fourth film. And then they said, oh, you should also watch the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift because um, it's ba- really bad, but like tells you so much. And in the end, I've, I've been watching all of these films. So, very, very quickly... Um, I do just want to say, The Fast and the Furious is the last great American soap opera. This is my theory. Um, it's not about the cars and the music. It's about family. You know, it's, uh, it's about a group of, as Owen, Owen will appreciate, a group of riders who, who ride together. They ride or die. And uh, it's, it's quite incestuous in a way. Um, but do you know what? If you, if you spend as much time as I have with this family over the last week, you grow to love them. You grow to forgive anything that family do because you never turn your back on family. That's the most important thing to remember. Basically, um, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is almost nothing completely to do with the rest of the series. It's about some Forrest Gump kid who gets sent to Tokyo to live with his dad, ends up getting into uh, the ancient art of drift racing, um, which is very... He's taught this by a guy called Han, who then appears in other Fast and Furious films. Um... It's nonsense, but it's got some really good shots isn't it of Nights on Tokyo. Isn't it chronologically the, le- the latest one? It's technically the latest one. It is technically the last or set, one. The set it's in the set, latest date. It's set, yes, although Fast and Furious 7 will take place after Tokyo Drift. And there's a very specific point about that that I'm not going to go into. Um but yeah, it, it's a nonsense film, but it does introduce you to Han, who is probably my favourite character from these films. I've ignored The Fast and the Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious because they were done by a different director and it's a different vision. I'm not watching those. Uh, they were okay. pretty good, to be fair. 
Well, they okay. Oh, they, I, and the thing is, I'm now way, thinking I'm going to go back and watch these. In fact, I'm going to buy the box set. I'm, I'm, I'm a total convert. That brings us on to Fast and Furious, um, which was the coming back to the series of Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto and Paul Walker, the walking two by four that plays <laughs> Brian O'Connor, um, the undercover cop, then I think turned FBI agent, then turned super criminal. Um, although in this film he's still an FBI agent, I think. Um, he comes back together because uh, Lenny Ortiz, played by Michelle Rodriguez, has been killed by an evil drug dealer and they've both got to take him down using their street racing skills. Yeah, it, it, the thing is, if you take each of these films separately, they are nonsense. They are ridiculous, um, high-concept, low-caliber scripted nonsense. But... Put together, the, the weird thing about this series is Justin Lin, the director who took over um, for Tokyo Drift and then did 4, 5 and 6, um, he has got this bizarre obsession with the continuity and the mythology of the Fast and Furious series. And he can't leave it alone. He keeps having to bring characters back from previous films and put little touches in. And I think that's quite sweet. He's giving something back to the fans. And there is definitely a sense that if you just watch one of these, it's like tuning into a random episode of EastEnders and criticising character choices. And, well, why is he doing that? And it's like, well, you don't understand. Uh, A, because you're not family. Okay, (laughs) ride or die. But B, because there is a huge backstory here. It's... It's almost like Game of Thrones, but with cars and with big, Vin Diesel's big marshmallow head. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, that's not a great film. I want to quickly move on to Fast Five, which is genuinely one of the best action films of the last ten years. Okay, I can't believe I ignored it on release because I was like, what, well, it's the fifth film in a Fast and Furious franchise. This is going to be shit, um, even if it has got the rock in it. It has got the rock in it. It's set in Rio. It's a heist movie of the highest calibre. I, I, I think it's my favourite heist movie, I'd say since I saw The Thieves, which was only a couple of months ago. But those two together are my favourite heist movies of the last ten years. It, um, it's got fantastic stunts. It actually makes cars, for me, someone like me, quite exciting. I was driving around town today thinking... I could just drift around that car. It's very dangerous to watch this much Fast and Furious and then jump into your own car. Not a good idea. Um, Great soundtrack. I'm I'm starting to get into all this terrible metal, rap metal music. Oh, God. Um, But it's it's got The Rock in it. It's got Vin Diesel, who I really like in these films. I genuinely really like Vin Diesel in these films. He's perfect for them. I've already said I'm a big fan of Triple X. Um... And I'm a big fan of um, Pitch Black as well. I've, I've got time for Vin Diesel. Paul Walker is hilariously bad in all of these films. He is like an excitable kid who's just literally been told, you get to drive cars around all day with The Rock. And that's how he acts. That, that comes across on screen. He, um, it's like he's trying to be bad, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, but then there'll be a scene where he's just like a kid being told a bedtime story. Um, <laughs> and he wears these ridiculous shirts. Uh, I, I find it difficult to you know, traditionally criticise these films in terms of film criticism or even review them. They are an experience. Um, I'm just all about the American muscle now. It's completely taken over my head. I I cannot stop thinking about The Fast and Furious. I really shouldn't have watched so many films of the same type in a week, but it's... it's, (laughs) You you just have to watch them. This is not my most eloquent 
that I've ever been on this podcast. Um, but uh, Fast and Furious 5, I would say, has got a brilliant bad guy, has got about three fantastic heisty moments, and has a set piece with a safe attached to two cars, um, which is literally has to be seen to be believed. It is one of the best... It's some fantastic stunt driving. It is brilliantly technically made. Um, and 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 you've got The Rock and Vin Diesel facing off and having a big old fight as well. It, it, it's brilliant. Um, I don't know what else to say. I'm going to save the rest of my comments on the Fast and Furious franchise for our main review. Okay. Owen, your turn. My turn. Okay, I saw... Um Two films by the same director this week, um, by, uh, I think you pronounce it Derek Cianfrance. Is that how you say it? I think that's right, Cianfrance. yeah. Cianfrance, anyway. Um, he's an American director. He's directed two films, or least I think he's directed three films, but the two that I've seen both star Ryan Gosling. One is Blue mm. Valentine, released in 2010, and the other is um, The Place Beyond the Pines, which was released earlier this year in the UK. And... I absolutely adored both of them, particularly The Place Beyond the Pines. It's a film that's... It's basically it's a, a film that's split into three stories. So the first story introduces you to Ryan Gosling, who's um, down on his luck. He's, not, he's, he's a stunt rider. He rides motorbikes um, in a circus or, or sort of a carnival thing. And anyway... He ends up um, with uh, an illegitimate child, which he then decides to take care of. He's got to rob banks. So then the second part of the story is where you're introduced to Bradley Cooper, who is a cop. Um, So their paths sort of intertwine quite nicely. And then there's another part, which I don't really want to go into a lot of detail about because it will spoil what happens. But it's basically then set 15 years in the future from when they first meet. Um, and it is such a, a sublime film. I'm just, it's been a week since I've seen it and I still occasionally just, if I'm bored, just sitting there, like today at work, I had a lot of meetings that, well, it was a long, long meeting today and you sort of zone out and even just then I just started thinking, God, that really was such a, a brilliant film in a lot of many different respects. And that doesn't happen quite often because, mm. you know, partly because of the volume of films I watch, but also you don't really catch a lot of films that, that grip or that I, I don't catch a lot of films that grip me in that, that kind of way so it's really sort of stayed with me and I think um, it, it, it's, it's such a well made film as well all of these three parts just fit together mm. so well the acting in it is just fantastic I mean we you know so sort of joked earlier about Ryan Gosling retiring mm. I think in this film and I didn't really get him properly mm. um, before I thought he was good in Drive but he plays a kind of weird character in that and you're not sure how mm. he's playing it but he he's good in that I've seen him in Ides of March I thought he was good um, mm. earlier in the year of course it was Gangster Squad and yeah. you know he plays quite a cartoonish which was actor. a bit just a bit fluffy yeah but yeah. you know he was good in that you know as well yeah. he's playing his character well um, given the sort of boundaries of what, what, he, what mm. that film's for and but these two films they just show how mm. brilliant an actor he is Partic- I mean mm. he's great in the place beyond the points. I think he's got a certain freedom about his um, his acting in this, and he just yeah. you know thrives on it. And it, it's just such a good performance. Probably one of my favourite of the year. I think Jude Law was fantastic in Side Effects as well. But mm. you know the two of them together. Uh, oh, and of course you know Daniel Day Lewis in Link. Yeah. Those, but um, but those sort of three performances are mm. just 
I, yeah, I, I also saw it. Weirdly, I watched those two films this week as well because um, Place Beyond the Pines is still in some cinemas um, if you can kind of get there. So I knew I was going to be watching that. So I also watched Blue Valentine as well, which is on uh, Netflix US. That's why I watched it. It might be on other versions it's on, of Netflix. Yeah, it's on Love Film as well at the minute. Okay, oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, which also stars Michelle Williams. And just, you know, you, I... I just reiterate what you said about Place Beyond the Pines. Fantastic film. Third act lost me a little bit. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I think pro- I think the the last the third act is what is it's catching a lot of people, and the, you know they're finding mm. it as slightly contrived. And I suppose it is really. It's, but it, well, it's like classic literature. It's it's like a Greek tragedy. It is in, in a sense. Um, in that what it does is it ties up every end very very tightly and some people aren't quite used to that anymore but that's a, it is classic storytelling in a sense um so but i i just the the acting the the performances in the third act just weren't quite as strong no? for me but um but Jane, bradley Jane, cooper yeah, is fantastic in this film as well and I, he definitely deserves some recognition uh ray liotta plays <laughs> Typical Ray Liotta <laughs> character at the moment. It's just a horrible old man type thing. Um, but no, and it looks beautiful, and there's some wonderful, wonderful shots as well. But I just want to quickly say uh, on Blue Valentine, which I think I preferred just a smidgen more. Um, but they're both fantastic films. Blue Valentine, uh, for those who don't know, is very quickly um, uh, Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams uh, play a youngish couple uh, with a child, and it kind of flits between the the breakup of their relationship in the present time and kind of intercuts that with how they first got together and that kind of contrasting natures of the young exciting love um and then the inevitable mm-hmm. demise of it and it's it that's that was a very very powerful film for me yeah. um anyone who's ever been in a relationship, uh, anyone who's ever been in a relationship which has ended and not ended particularly well, um, will it will really strike home in a few places. It was pretty horrible. What's great as well is, um, in both films, Ryan Gosling's got no issue with, you know, kind of uglying himself up a little bit for a role. You know, in, in Blue Valentine, he looks dreadful in places, as does Michelle Williams. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very real... Um, and raw film um, both got wonderful uh, soundtracks I think it's Mike Patton mm. uh, who does the scores for both absolutely love both films I, I totally agree with you and I, I do hope that Gosling's sabbatical is, is a shortish one yes I mean um, we joke about it but I do genuinely think well if that's it, if you know the the film he's just shot, uh, the new Nicholas winning mm. from film, is that if that's the last one he's doing, which I've heard he doesn't really have a lot to say in it either. Mm. He's got very seventeen lines. Seventeen <laughs> lines in the whole film. It makes me think. Well, he's just become become one of my favourite current working actors mm. in the space of a week and two films. Yeah. And now and now he's gonna leave. And now he's you. leaving me. I oh, know. Yeah. I'm gonna have to fill the void with more Van Damme films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's a great film, and but I think well, I prefer Place Beyond the Pines. It, it does remind me, like you say, of old classical stories, particularly old. If you compare it to mm. like um, sort of almost religious silent films, you got stuff like The Ten Commandments, for example. It's got that mm. final epic part, epic feel to it, which I think is losing a lot of people, as I say, because it seems quite contrived. 
But if you take it as a story, then I like it. And Blue Valentine is it's much more confined rather than you know quite quite a large film. It's much more confined within the two periods of two people's lives. And um, yeah, both both brilliant films. I can't recommend either of them enough. Okay, Jerry, have you remembered what you were reviewing yet? I have those two. Quickly, I'll be very quick. Um, both British films, actually. Have I talked about Four Lions on here before? No, but I don't think you have. Um, I'm always happy to talk about Four Lions, though. Yeah, Four Lions, right? Um, coming to the realisation that Four Lions is possibly one of the greatest British comedies of all time. Quite comfortably. It's fucking brilliant. I think I've seen it four, five times now. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's the tale of um, the world's worst sort of Islam Islamist wannabe terrorists in Sheffield. Obviously, I'm from Sheffield, so I'm slightly biased in that it's quite funny that it's like places that I know. Um, topical, you bringing this up today. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know. <laughs> Bring us down. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, the day of the days. It's, I mean, anybody who's familiar with Chris Morris's work is going to know the kind of tack that it takes. It's, it's quite subtle. It's quite, in terms of the message, the humour is, is often understated um, rather than being, you know, it's not sort of slapstick gags, but there's a mixture of stuff. There's a real mixture, but a lot of it is kind of little lines that, you know, on rewatching you pick up on, a different part every time. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those really, really great comedy films where there's always something else to laugh about. Um, the story's pretty decent and it's got a lot to say about sort of British culture and modern British society and the way we sort of interact with each other and how um, different communities integrate or don't integrate. But it's just piss your pants funny. It's one of the funniest mm-hmm. films. Oh, God. It's just brilliant. Are you a fan then, James? I No, I really like it. I've all... I, I basically love everything that Christopher Morris does anyway. Um, I've, I've been, you know, I remember when I first watched The Day Today when it was first broadcast, and then, you know, Brass Eye. But, Did anybody else um, enjoy um, the MP from the Peter Geddon episode having his gay, gay people rant this week, by the way? Yes, yeah, that was nice. What fucking idiot. Fucking. Um, yeah, no, uh, Peter Geddon is one of my favourite episodes of television of all time that may well end up on our 100 greatest television episodes series on the site anyway um but four lines what i think actually is just how brave it was as well because it is very funny um and in a sense it it's right up there with um dr strangelove for me in terms of someone going out there and saying the unsayable you know we and what i really love is he didn't just do a jokey kind of sitcom-y, oh, look at these crazy terrorists. He actually, it is very real in places um, because he's been out and talked to these people. He, Christopher Morris went to Afghanistan. You know, he has talked to people who have recruited, um, you know, jihadists. And, and that shows as well that he has spoken to people who have been on that side of the coin. And, and that's possibly the scariest thing about it. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best things I can say about it as well, because a lot of people are, you know, sort of concerned that it's offensive weather. I mean, I was speaking to um, a colleague of mine who's Muslim this week, and he mm. thinks it's absolutely fucking hilarious as well. 
I used to, uh, when it came out, I was working in a well-known mobile phone uh, retailer. Uh, I was a, a manager there. And I, it was indeed. I can do the finger okay. thing as well. Uh, that's how I got the job. Part of the trade. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, virtually the entire staff that I worked with were Muslim, and they spent the entire day uh, they, they, for months afterwards saying rubber dinghy rapids bro and so yeah they they loved it and they saw their culture in it portrayed just in a realistic way yeah and it sort of highlights the absurdity of a lot of things without being you know it's not saying this is a culture thing this is not no. like it's, it's, no. it's highlighting the absurdity in the same way it's and what it actually what I think it highlights is the vulnerability as well you know it's the vulnerability of young minds being kind of manipulated in this way um it shows you none of none of those four people uh in it are particularly evil in fact the most evil person in it is the kind of the white guy who uh yeah is just a m- complete mentalist the invisible terrorist he's yeah <laughs> but he's not there he's blowing up your slag sister yeah <laughs> um, uh but yeah, it, uh, I think it actually does make a really good point um, that these are just normal British citizens who, in these, in some of these instances, do get dragged into this. And that, that's the great thing about it, is it makes a serious point that maybe we don't want to acknowledge. Um, and I think that's probably its greatest strength. Yeah. Oh, another, just a quick shout out to another great British film from recent years, uh, Looking for Eric, which was the Ken Loach film starring Eric Cantona. <laughs> Uh, great great film seen that like three times now yeah that's a brilliant film I I want to see more of Eric Cantona on screen because I know we all laughed when he became an actor but he's got when he's especially when he's playing himself he's got such great screen he is brilliant in that his film that was debuted today at Cannes um, featured him with a prosthetic penis apparently so I'm in I'm there (laughs) (laughs) isn't a prosthetic penis a dildo is that what we I don't know whether it's kind of like a prosthetic version of his own penis, like that. So that oh, a bit like um, uh, Wahlberg in Boogie Nights, he had a prosthetic uh, okay. penis. I see. To to so he maybe he's playing like a a bigger penis man than himself. Wow, this podcast just, just got weird. sunk to a new low. I think. <laughs> From terrorism to artificial penis, <laughs> covering all bases, high and low, bro. We're all bro, mm. mono bro. Yeah, like the Gallaghers. Anyway, there's a 90s reference for you kids out there. Coming up very shortly is our review of Fast and Furious 6. Fast and Furious 6 in the sixth film, as I mentioned earlier, in this franchise, where Dominic Toretto, played by Vin Diesel, and his crew are back to help The Rock bring down an international group of terrorist kind of people. Here's a clip. This is exactly what cops do. He's messing with your head. Lady's dead, Don. I need to know for sure. Then I'm going with you. You said you were going to leave this life behind. You both said that we were leaving the life behind. He's right. We're family. We got a problem, we deal with it together. And I'll feel safer knowing you're both out there, watching each other's backs. 
You're stronger together. You always were. Now go get Letty. There you go. We're stronger together as a family. We always were. Beautiful. Touching. Touching scene from Fast and the Furious 6. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real tug of the heartstrings film. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've, I've not seen it, so talk amongst yourselves, and once you ramble on too much, I'll try and make it progress. Sounds good. Um, okay, Owen, as someone uh, who, well, as we've had on the site, you've, you've only ever seen the first one, so you've come back into it at number six. What were your thoughts? Oh, it was um, a pile of crap, basically. I, uh, I'm shocked. Yeah, I mean, I did... I, I didn't have high have rate, expectations. You're going to have to race now to settle this. <laughs> All right, I'll get in my micro. Yeah, I'll get in my micro. You get in your micro, whatever. Yeah, souped up. Yeah. Right. No, I, I mean, like I said, I didn't go into it with high expectations at all. The only thing I really knew about the franchise was um, that I'd seen the first one and I wasn't that keen on it, but I couldn't really remember anything about it. Um, no specifics at all, to be honest. Aside, well, aside from that, I knew Van Diesel was like a criminal and Paul Walker was a, cro- a cop, that was it. The only other thing um, that I had uh, to, to sort of set this film against was the fact that uh, Jerry talked about Fast and Furious 5 and said how brilliant it was. And so I, I didn't really know what to expect at all from Fast and Furious 6. I knew it had the rock in it. That's always a bonus. Um, mm-hmm. And I was... To, to say I was disappointed makes it sound like I thought it would be good and then it was crap. But I thought it would be a bit crap, and it was crap. So I don't really... I'm just a bit indifferent to it, I suppose. Oh, I'm stunned. Yeah. So, I mean, the action scenes <laughs> the action scenes are done well. But then yeah. I sort of expected them to be done well, to be honest. Mm. And the point that you made earlier about it being like a soap opera is just so... Yeah. It's just so spot on, because <laughs> the story... It's just got... <laughs> It's got every single, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I I noticed as I was writing down my notes, I thought, the Fast and the Furious, that sounds like the bold and the beautiful, (laughs) or the young and the... My God, this is a soap opera, and that's, you know, and in this we've got fan favourites returning from the dead, Um, someone with amnesia. Uh, and it's just you know, and you get all this whole thing about family. There's even a reference to like, oh, you know, evil twins and stuff. It's a jokey reference, but it is just like yet another soap opera. Which yeah, if if you don't care about the characters, those bits will grind your gears, I imagine. Um, but the characters—they're just I, so flat. They're just like cut out of a soap opera and put into an action film. I know, but if you spend time with them, <laughs> you just need to spend time with them. I, I, I do think, what I will say, I, I know Owen's not a fan of Vin Diesel. No. Um, in fact, the, your, I, it did make me laugh, your review on uh, on the site about him having three facial muscles. Um, yeah. I, I can see that. I, I can see it. and But I, I like it. I, you know, and it's... I, I think he's... I think Vin Diesel does what he needs to do in these films. He, he's got that really deep-throated voice. He sits there, barely moving. He's like um, he's like a giant tortoise. Um, kind of just sits there, barely moving a muscle, going... Yeah, like that, and then he gets in the car and drives. And that's all I need. But he him. could be anybody. It does, it's not necessarily Van Diesel that, make, that makes that character. That just I, could be anybody. I've seen I, wrestlers I put in better... Uh, you know... Except for The Rock, of course, and Jesse Ventura in, yeah. in Predator. I've seen wrestlers yeah. put in better performances. Wrestlers. 
wrestlers, James. Wrestlers. WWE but, or WWF, whatever. What did we think to Gina Carano, by the way? Oh, she was all right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. Um, she she did um, her action sequence. She, her action sequences were done really well, but a little bit like Owen, I'd expect them to be done well considering her background um, in uh, kind of is she not extreme fighting and then. She did Soderbergh's Haywire, didn't she? Mm. Um, I, I thought... And there's a couple of characters... I really liked... Um, I, I, I really liked the guy who played Han. I, I, I just really like him as a character. Paul Walker, the thing is, about Vin Diesel, for me, he just looks ten times the actor he is <laughs> when he's next to Paul Walker. That's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> he's just like an excited kid. But it, this, for me, this is one of those films where... Um, if you like, if if you're if you're in the mood to enjoy it, and I'm not saying Owen, I'm not saying it's Owen's fault. I'm just saying I was in the mood to enjoy this film, and then it delivered. It ticked every box for me. Um, you've got to ignore the fact that the script is terrible. Okay, the script is shocking. About even the one-liners are kind of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That's a terrible one-liner uh, for most of them. Um, and then there's the brilliant... I love it when it tries to get really serious. And there's this bit where um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson says, to catch wolves, you need wolves. And then I, I suddenly... No, that's not how it works, surely. That is the... Um, and at some point, someone else says something about... They, they, they crash again. The rock they crash in like thunder and disappear like smoke or something. It's like so you're mixing metaphors <laughs> now, and it's, it's just. But the great thing about it is it takes those bits so seriously. Yes. Um, and if it didn't, this would be a car crash of a film. Excuse the pun. Um, but it just about. I think it just about walks the line between um, so bad it's good and intentionally bad terrible just about walks that line i really enjoy I, um the thing about it the, my first experience of uh, a fast and furious film have this sequence where they're robbing a, a fuel tanker and it's in fast and furious and there's a bit where uh, the tanker's going down the hill and it's about to crash and they're doing this trying to pull off this massively difficult maneuver so that michelle rodriguez playing letty ortiz can jump off of the thing onto Dominic Toretto's car and it's, it's really dangerous stuff and then like during that manoeuvre the driver of the um, the oil tanker just jumps out right so for him he's going yeah I'll just jump out and survive and they're going through the, you know she it doesn't go through her head to just jump out and survive and that's that's for me is a metaphor for this entire film so much of this film could be done so much more easily and they go, yeah, but that's damn cooler to do it this way. And it's like the fact that they all talk with walkie-talkies, which makes me think, well, you've got one hand on the steering wheel, one hand on the gear stick. How have you got a hand on a walkie-talkie? You know, nothing about this film makes logical sense, no, I mean, the including ma- my enjoyment of it, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, the amount of times that they let the bad guys go. What? Yeah. Just don't let them go. How about that? Just, yeah. just keep them. You've got them. Yeah. Because trackers always work, don't oh, they? Yeah. Yes, no, yeah. let go with the track. No, honestly, nothing makes sense. Nothing. It's there's more plot holes than in Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. Uh, it, it's it, you know it makes Damon Lindelof look like um, Citizen Kane. Uh, Citizen Kane, I mean, Orson Welles. You know, but the fact is, d- when you see those cars smashing around and a tank and then a plane, uh, I. D- I think eight-year-old me just 
came alive and really enjoyed this film. My one real complaint would be, and I heard um, Mark Commode say something similar on, on BBC last week, every single set piece is in the trailer. Um, and there was an element, and I didn't notice it at the time, but actually, yeah, there's an element where if you've seen the trailer a couple of times, every single set piece, you're then waiting for the bit you've seen in the trailer, and that does kind of ruin it slightly. So the fact, I'd, I wish I'd gone in not knowing there was a tank, and I wish I'd gone in not knowing that a car drives out of a plane in flames, because that does spoil it slightly. And now you've spoilt it for anyone who's listening, and that's in the film. Anyone who's been to the cinema for the la- in the last three months <laughs> will see this bit. So I'm not, I'm not going to apologise for, um, for talking about stuff that's in a trailer. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say. Because to be honest, if they're then what, listening to this, uh, having not seen the film, they're bigger idiots than I. <laughs> and I'm a big idiot. Jerry, what did you think? I didn't think it was as good as, the, as five. No, no, it was a, it was um, a touchdown from five. Mm. I thought um, the the acting and the the dialogue, all the dialogue. <laughs> the dialogue is terrible, really, really bad. Yeah, like oh, so bad. And basically, I found myself kind of waiting while they got the the, the storyline just didn't matter to be honest. I didn't give a shit, um, and I found myself waiting for them to just get the talk out of the way so they could do something spectacular again. See, I'm I'm a bit perverse. I'm the type of person who used to watch wrestling for the storylines. So this this was all. That's what this felt like actually at times. Or a computer game. I used to play computer games for the cutscenes. I'm 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 a junkie for narrative. Um, and parts of this it parts of this film were like watching a two-hour wrestling program, and and you'd have to put up with the terrible talky bits in between the actual wrestling. But I always enjoyed those terrible talky bits. And I always enjoy cutscenes in computer games. Never skip them. So maybe that's why I liked it so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love Metal Gear as much as the next man. But um, <laughs> I just found this... I, I don't know. I think it, it was it was quite hit and miss for me. I would say it's a solid 3 out of 5 film if I was going to give it an arbitrary rating. But uh, it, it wasn't as good as, as I'd hoped. Let's put it that way. But at the same yeah. time, it wasn't bad. It was a decent action film. I, I, I'd agree with the three out of five, but I'd give it four out of five for someone who really likes the series like I do. I'd, I, I can see it. I don't, I don't think it's objectively as bad as Owen thought it was. I, I don't think you can give it a bad review. It features The Rock literally throwing the man <laughs> into a window. You literally stop and throws him about ten feet. <laughs> there were some brilliant leaps off of cars onto other cars. I'll give it that. It looked a little bit like the Avengers at times, didn't it? In terms of people flying around and crashing into things like the Hulk. It was, it, there was, yeah. And and did you catch that? Um, uh, the Rock was called uh, at various points Captain America, Hulk, and Thor at one point as well, which I thought was a weird little kind of nod to the Marvel films of the last few years. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, someone calls him Captain America when he comes to the British security, like the CCTV place. They called him Captain America. Roman had him listed as um, Samoan Thor as his mm. ringtone, mm. which I thought was a nice little touch. And at some point, someone calls him Hulk as well. And I thought, oh, that, that's quite an interesting little. 
I don't know if I couldn't work out if that was on purpose or if that's just such genuinely bad script writing. The only pop culture references the guy writing it has got are films that were out in the last year. I'm going to go for the latter, I think. <laughs> also, oh, can we just... Go. We haven't spoken about how they just sort of shoehorned the inevitable Vin Diesel racing a, racing a, in an underground race scene in. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that, it wouldn't be a first appearance film. I know, but it felt like they just made an action film. I mean, yeah. the story, just the fact that they somehow involved cars in every plot is just yeah. ludicrous. But it was just like that. It just felt like completely tacked on. It was weird. That, yeah. that was... And, and they got at least four mentions of American Muscle in there as yeah. well. I quite liked that scene. I thought it was quite good, just be, purely because it was the way it looked, you know, mm. the night, um, you know, London at night with all the different mm. lights and stuff. I, I thought that was quite good. And as I said before, the action scenes were done quite well. Mm. It's just the talking bits really do drag it down, if I'm going to use the same rating system, to a two out of five, mm. I think, because it's just I, dire. You can't give it two out of five. It's got the rock in, and he throws a man into a window. <laughs> the rock is earning one of those marks on his own. Yeah. I gave two out of five to uh, Welcome to the Jungle, and Owen's still not forgiving me. I've not gone over that yet, no. <laughs> I can't give it two out of five, because it features the rock giving someone the most epic handshake since Predator. Someone who hasn't seen the film yet, um, or, and probably won't now, the, the, street, <laughs> the street race scene, was that set in London? Yes. yes. Because from the trailer, I can guarantee you now a million percent that the girls in the trailer are not the kind of girls you get in the legal street race if it was held in England. I'm telling you now. No. Not look no, anything you... like that. No, they've been shipped in. They, they would look like Jay Goody. <laughs> I'm not joking, and you know I'm not. No. No, I was doing Tesco just... earlier from the car park. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Exactly. And there was no need whatsoever for, for that the sort of dancing ladies bit of that section either. Again, though, that, that's, you've got to take the whole or none of it at all. That, that kind of does sum up Fast and, every single Fast and Furious film. There's a race meet with scantily clad women dancing. It's the rules. The other, the other point is that they're always trying to commit some crime or heist in like the mm. most indiscreet cars. Go. They might be really fast, but they're pretty yeah. indiscreet. There's not going to be many people knocking around with them. Yeah, it just seems like poor planning from like, well, really well in, uh, Fast Five. So, in Fast Five, at one point they go, "We're going to need invisible cars," and uh, Vin Diesel does a little bit of an eyebrow raise. That's all I'm going to say about Fast Five. <laughs> I think that's all about Fast Five. Ride or die, people. Ride or die. There we go. One, I'm going to become a street racer. I'm going to go to Tokyo and learn to drift. A good film about... I mean, I'm not completely against Fast and Furious 6 because yeah. it's to do with street racing. There's a good film, yeah. um, Initial D, which is a Japanese film which came out of an anime series, which was also mm. quite good. And that's all about this guy who learns to drift and he wins all these sort of racing things. It's oh, about cool. his relationship. That's quite interesting. So I haven't I'll got anything that, against yeah. it because of that. I just thought it was a really poor film. I'll be honest, it wasn't quite as good as I was expecting. Okay. Well, but I was expecting... Oscar winner. Right. (laughs) So, after this quick break, we all have our recommendations for next... uh, our recommendations to watch this week. Right. Welcome back to the final part of the podcast. We're going to recommend you all something to watch in the next week or so. Uh, Jerry, why don't you kick us off? 
Okay, there's a, a theme developing here in my recommendations. Is I like to sort of throw something out that that is a bit foreign, shall we say? Um, and if you haven't seen, um, I've talked about it on here before. Guillermo del Toro, Pacific Rim's coming out, right? So first and foremost, if you haven't seen his previous films, so The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth, that's what you need to watch this week. I've decided that if you are not going to watch those before Pacific Rim comes out, and you're not, I mean, if you're not going to watch Pacific Rim, you're dead to me anyway, <laughs> but um, you need to go and resolve that. And it's, it's become apparent to me that far too few people have seen those films. So go and get them on DVD, watch them, whatever format you can find them in. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me they're on TV. No. Bollocks. I've I've seen Pans, but I've not seen Devil's Backbone yet. I'll hunt it down, I suppose. Devil's Backbone (laughs) appears on the Horror Channel every so often. I've not got the Horror Channel anymore, because I've downgraded my TV package. (laughs) It does does come on from time to time. And I think Film 4 are pretty decent as well for sometimes showing... Mm. Um, Spanish and Mexican films, but yeah, you're probably gonna have to find the DVD for this. Okay, I will do just for you, Jerry. Okay, Owen. Um, I'm gonna pick a film. I've talked about it before. Um, and it's it's only in the last sort of year or so that it started reappearing on TV, which I'm quite pleased about. Is Arachnophobia? I think it was yeah. Disney's first horror film with Jeff Daniels, John Goodman. Um, it's on watch uh, at 6.50 on Saturday. So, brilliant nice. comedy horror. Great great if you know you saw it as a kid and for the, nas- mm. for the nostalgia yeah. now, but it's still a, a very good film, I think. James? Uh, I'm going to recommend a TV programme this week, um, and anyone who has got Netflix, um, those of you who haven't got Netflix, get the free trial, because on Sunday <laughs> we have... 15 brand new episodes all streaming at the same time of Arrested Development. The greatest sitcom of the last 20 years is back. Um, God, I love Arrested Development. It's all better than The Office. and Christ, of it is. It's better than The Office. It is. It is literally False. the best sitcom of the last 20 years. Um, it's got everything you need. It's got... Is it better um, than that one with Jasper Carrot who married an Asian woman there as a disabled target? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it's probably not better than that. That, there you go. that was utter genius. Sorry. What was I, that um, called? Oh, I can't remember. Because didn't the didn't the kind of didn't the child narrate it or something like that? Yeah. Oh God. What was it? Oh man, that was terrible. Someone Google that while we're still on on air in inverted commas. But yeah, Arrested Development. It's got um, it, it's got absolutely everything. Uh, it is hilariously funny. Loads of callbacks, very meta. Um, if you've not seen Arrested Development, just get onto Netflix because it's all on there as well. Um, all about me, d- Jasper Carrot. That's uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, thanks for just trampling all that. <laughs> Steve, with your weird Jasper Carrot. And it, was it Mia um, Sohari or Mira what's her name? Chiao, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Huh? Yeah, anyway, um, any no, seriously, Arrested Development is is a lot better than that. If you've not seen Arrested Development, you, you are a twat. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's how angry I am if you've not seen it. So watch it. It's back on Sunday. Okay, I will recommend 
Uh, well, if you don't watch a man, the man from Earth, like I spoke, what I spoke about earlier, that's on Netflix US. You're an idiot because you should really watch it. It's great. Also, this will make James really happy. Out on Blu-ray, DVD, etc. This week is Les Mis. I want to watch it again. And I don't know why. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Because it's, it's amazing. I've already seen it. Since, I've bought it on Blu-ray, and I've already seen well, it since I bought it. I had it pre-ordered a week before it came out in the cinema. I had. Do you know what? I had it pre-ordered off Amazon, uh, but they didn't deliver it. I hoped for like like a day or two early, like they used to. They don't seem to do that anymore. Shop, shop 2, I don't know if they do DVDs, but they do games. They always deliver early. Uh, okay. They do uh, Blu-rays. There you go. Okay, oh, cool. Weirdly, Steve, I, I had, for a little bit, and it's, I think it's gone away now, I had a compulsion to watch Rock of Ages again. I've not... I just thought, maybe I was a bit harsh on it the first time. I think it's something about musicals. They crawl on your skin. Get into your brain. <laughs> on, that, on that bombshell, what's up next, week? Uh, next week is um, we've got a corridor of praise of Studio Ghibli films so um, I'm going to definitely be looking at Jerry a little bit on that week to get us through that but I will have seen at least five by then but who, who's going to begrudge them a corridor of praise place eh? who really? Owen I bet Owen's going to be really snarky about them no <laughs> for what they've done for animations and for Japanese cinema I suppose they deserve it Okay. That's very magnanimous of you. Yes, you suppose. You. Oh. I guess so. <laughs> if we're not inducting Van Damme that week, I Actually, guess we can do Studio G. The other recommendation I would say is uh, nationwide across the country um, in Picture House and other independent cinemas, um, My Neighbour Totoro and Grave of the Fireflies is being shown as a double bill in cinemas uh, as it originally was 25 years ago so that's another little recommendation that fits into next week's podcast if you live near a picture house and you don't go and do that you're a fucking abomination (laughs) I'm taking my daughter to go and see my neighbour Totoro on Monday so I'm I'm quite excited by that but not Grave of the Fireflies I hope no 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 no. (laughs) I was going to say don't take her to that one no that's not a family friendly film that's all for this week then thanks for listening um, thanks to everyone who contributed as well. We'll be back next week. The Fail Critics Podcast was devised and produced by James Diamond, hosted by Steve Norman with contributions from Owen Hughes and Jerry McCauley. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com and you can find us at failedcritics.com and on Twitter at, at failedcritics. Good to hear. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. That Steven Soderbergh is just having this uh, Indian summer in his career where he's just knocking out a few brilliant films one after the other. Um, before retiring, is <laughs> isn't he retiring? Before retiring, yeah. exactly. Well, this is apparently part of his retirement. He's moving into television, he's retiring from film, mm. and this is kind of like his semi retirement because it is for, it's for HBO. Um, uh, he wanted to do it as a film, but Hollywood executives refused to fund it. They tried to get funding for four years. Steven Soderbergh tried to get funding for four years with Michael Douglas um, and Matt Damon attached. 
and Hollywood executives said only gay people will want to watch a Liberace <laughs> film. Wow. Which is just shock. So yeah, in, in a way, the, the straightest place on earth. Well, yeah, exactly. I was, you know, what kind of backwards-minded thing is that? It honestly looks really. It looks a lot of fun, actually. It, um, the tone kind of reminds me a little bit of Boogie Nights. Or so it's yeah, it, it looks really good actually. If you've not seen the trailer, check that out. The other film that did get premiere today, um, two very mixed reviews. One that I've been really looking forward to, Only God Forgives, the new Nicholas Winding Refn film starring um, Ryan Gosling apparently ended up with applause and boos at the end of it. There's there were walkouts. Walked out, yeah. yeah, a lot of walkouts. Apparent, uh, I, I hear that Gosling's got 17 lines in the whole film, um, so I'm assuming he stands around looking smouldering a lot, which I've uh, got no issue with, I'll be honest. Um, no, uh, apparently even more violent than Drive. <laughs> And with less soul, which is saying um, something, really. Yeah, uh, this is a really interesting. Uh, it sounds basically like um, an art house uh, killer. Th- I, I don't know what. Um, I know I'm going to have to watch it though. Although weirdly, um, Peter Bradshaw, uh, Peter Bradshaw, the Guardian um, film critic, who called me a film snob. Uh, let's not forget that. Um, right. He's given it. Yeah, he's given it five stars. Um, he gave Inglorious Bastards one star after its uh, can debut. So this is apparently five times better. Um, yeah, inter- he seems to he he absolutely loved it. But I, I, there's a lot of people who really really not happy with it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. Although it sounds to me he's gone back to his winding reference, gone back to his kind of Valhalla Rising and to an extent Bronson just art house violence on screen it's going to look good but it might leave you feeling empty um, so that review it sounds like my kind of film to be honest yeah yeah I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it and it's 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 Gosling's uh, last film before his sabbatical as well <laughs> what am I going to do while he's away hey? I know exactly I genuinely but, feel like that at the moment I'll, t- I'll yeah. talk about it why in a bit but... more on that later yeah. I know I know We're, we're, we're we're big fans of the of the of the Argos or <laughs> the Argos. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, so that that's all your news there. It's almost like you've been in Cannes. There we go. Is that it for news? That's it. Yeah. Nothing. No. Let's let's move on. Nothing else happening. Okay. No. Quiz quiz time. I can't remember the scores. Someone... Uh, I've I've got four. I think someone's got two and someone's got one. I think, I think Owen's one. got two. Yeah, Owen's got two. I'm re- like I said, if I'm winning, I'll remember this score. I'm like a, I'm like Matt Damon in uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting. If I'm winning, I'm all, I'm all over the maths here. Whereas I'm more like Matt Damon in Team America. <laughs> I'm gonna start with Fargo, and then I'm gonna go Air Force One, Boogie Nights, Pleasantville, Mystery Men. James. Yes, James. Is it Peter Skarsgård? No, I've never even heard of him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park 3. Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Yes, Jerry. Um, William, William Macy. William H. Macy. Yes. Well, oh. Oh, so you're, that's the far more Very obvious good, one yeah. to go for. Yeah. 
I'm completely. Yeah, it was a Strom there that was in Fargo, not a Skarsgård. I'm always get those scans. Jurassic Park Three was the trigger for me. <laughs> that is a word. <laughs> Sneaking up on. Oh no, no, no. That's two. Yeah, that's fine. Most of these, as soon as like whoever it is says who the actor is or actress, I'm just like, oh, of course. How could you not realise? Yeah. Oh, embarrassing. Yeah. Oh damn it! I'm annoyed there. I have Pleasantville. Yeah. Mm. Oh, William H. Love William H. There we go. Well, up next, we have got what we have been watching. Welcome back then, and we are ready for this week's What We Have Been Watching. Jerry will be going last this week because he's forgotten what film he's meant to be reviewing. <laughs> so we need to give him a little bit more time to get his brain into here. And, uh, I don't like Matt Damon in Team America. <laughs> uh, we'll start off with my review, which is titled The Man from Earth from 2007, directed by, uh, sorry, written by Jerome Bixby, who is dead now. Um, written a few episodes of Twilight Zone and Star Trek, but nothing sort of major. Directed by Richard Schenkman, um, who, among his credits, lists Playboy, Playmates in Paradise, and Playboy International Playmates. Um, wow. So I think I'll be checking out his back catalogue sometime soon. <laughs> uh, he also directed Abraham Lincoln vs. Zombies. Um, oh, right, so, I know that. Uh, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Of all of was that out of, before or after Vampire Hunter? 2012, um, so prob- not probably on the back of yeah. it, yeah, gotcha. Um, it's on, it's but, a mockbuster, I think. Out, mm. out of all of the films of this man's back catalogue that Owen knows, it's Abraham Lincoln vs. <laughs> Zombies, and, and not anything to do with Playboy Playmates. But, what are you trying to say? What you're insinuating. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm saying no more on the matter. Anyway, this film... Um, won't list anyone who stars in it because there is no stars in it. It's kind of irrelevant. But it tells the story of Professor John Oldman. Um, he's moving away from where he lives and he's invited all his friends around um, to kind of bid him farewell. Kind of farewell party. Or all his friends come around to bid him farewell. Um, quite conveniently, all his friends are really clever people. They're like historians and biologists and professors which helps the plot move along a lot, because if they were thick people, it wouldn't really help. Um, anyway, it, it, it's revealed. John starts to tell his story, kind of hypothetically imagine if you were a caveman, or you'd been, a, you'd been alive since the dawn of not time, but the dawn of man, um, and you don't age. And the story changes from being a hypothetical thing to this, it actually being first person about himself. Um, and his friends react in different ways. Some of them believe him, um, some of them just sort of laugh it off, and some of them, as the story progresses, gets more and more upset and offended with him and by him and by his actions. And he also says that he's he's met certain, you know, historical figures and um you know done certain things and some of the friends try and catch him out and uh it just it revolves around him trying to convince his friends that the story he's telling is true, 
um, until he kind of upsets them all and then backtracks. Um, it's very good. It's 89 minutes long, so it's not good. much. Yeah. But it's, it's a very good film, all centred in one location, all centred in, in John Oldman's house. Um, or it's obviously meant to be John Oldman. Old man, because he is an old man. Um, anyway. Because some films like that would probably try and do flashbacks and things like that to when he was different stages of his 14,000 year existence. Um, pretty much every actor in it puts in a really good performance. Um, David Lee Smith, who plays John Oldman, is very convincing in his role as the the man trying to convince them all that he is 14,000 years old. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Mm. Sounds interesting. What's the name of Steve? Sorry? What's the name of the film again? Uh, the Man from Earth, you can, or Man from Earth, uh, you can find it on US Netflix. It might be on other versions of Netflix as well. Uh, only a budget of $200,000 as well. Nice. I've just um, looked it up on uh, IMDb. Tony Todd is in it. Oh, Tony Todd. Yeah. So oh. that's another reason to see it. The Candyman. The Candyman, yeah. And I think he features as Death, or he appears in all of the Final Destination films, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So, yes. Um, yes, I can't recommend that enough. Um, James, what film are you reviewing? Okay. Uh, kind of like a couple of weeks ago, you know, when we reviewed Iron Man 3, so I caught up on the entire Marvel Phase 1. Um, this week, despite the fact that I've still got films like Schindler's List waiting to be watched, um, Tokyo Story, which Owen recommended mm. like in one of the first podcasts we ever did, and I've got it on Blu-ray, still not watched that. I've watched four Fast and Furious films, uh, one of which will be the main review, but that means I'm just going to quickly talk about the other three that I watched this week. And do you know what? I, I've, I've avoided Fast and Furious throughout the years thinking, just writing it off as some kind of top gear for teenagers or something like that. Why would I want to watch bad actors, terrible music that all, you know, the type of music that young people listen to. Um, and car, I've got no, I, I drive a Nissan Micra. I have no interest in cars, obviously. Okay, so why would I watch it? And then, basically, I got quite excited about Fast and Furious 6 because the rock's in it. And so, okay. But completist side of me, I got into an argument, well, not an argument, discussion with people on Twitter. And they said, well, you need to watch Fast 5 at least because Fast 5 is an amazing action film. And then, really, you should watch um, Fast and Furious, which is actually the fourth film. And then they said, you should also watch the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift um, because it's really bad, but, like, tells you so much. And in the end, I've, I've been watching all of these films. So, very, very quickly... Um, I do just want to say, The Fast and the Furious is the last great American soap opera. This is my theory. Um, it's not about the cars and the music. It's about family. You know, it's uh, it's about a group of, as Owen, Owen will appreciate, a group of riders who, who ride together. They ride or die. And uh, it's, it's quite incestuous in a way. Um, but do you know what? If you If you spend as much time as I have with this family over the last week, you grow to love them. You grow to forgive anything that family do because you never turn your back on family. That's the most important thing to remember. Basically, um, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is almost nothing completely to do with the rest of the series. It's about some Forrest Gump kid who gets sent to Tokyo to live with his dad, ends up getting into 
the ancient art of drift racing, um, which is very... He's taught this by a guy called Han, who then appears in other Fast and Furious films. Um, it, it's nonsense, but it's is got it, some really it, good shots of Night of Tokyo. Isn't it chronologically the, le- the latest one? It's technically the latest one. It is technically the last or set, one. Or the set in state. It's set... Yes, although Fast and Furious 7 will take place after Tokyo Drift. And there's a very specific point about that that I'm not going to go into. Um, but yeah, it, it's a nonsense film, but it does introduce you to Han, who is probably my favourite character from these films. I've ignored The Fast and the Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious because they were done by a different director and it's a different vision. I'm not watching those. Uh, they were okay. pretty good, to be fair. Were they? Okay. Oh, they are, and the thing is, I'm now way, thinking, huh? I'm going to go back and watch these. In fact, I'm going to buy the box set. I'm, I'm, I'm a total convert. That brings us on to Fast and Furious, um, which was the coming back to the series of Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto and Paul Walker, the walking 2x4 that plays <laughs> Brian O'Connor, um, the undercover cop, then I think turned FBI agent, then turned super criminal. Um, although in this film he's still an FBI agent, I think. Um, he comes back together because uh, Lenny Ortiz, played by Michelle Rodriguez, has been killed by an evil drug dealer and they've both got to take him down using their street racing skills. And it, it, the thing is, if you take each of these films separately, they are nonsense. They are ridiculous, um, high-concept, low-caliber scripted nonsense. But... Put together, the, the weird thing about this series is Justin Lin, the director who took over um, for Tokyo Drift and then did 4, 5 and 6, um, he has got this bizarre obsession with the continuity and the mythology of the Fast and Furious series. And he can't leave it alone. He keeps having to bring characters back from previous films and put little touches in. And I think that's quite sweet. He's giving something back to the fans. And there is definitely a sense that if you just watch one of these, it's like tuning into a random episode of EastEnders and criticising character choices. And, well, why is he doing that? And it's like, well, you don't understand. Uh, A, because you're not family. Okay, (laughs) ride or die. But B, because there is a huge backstory here. It's... It's almost like Game of Thrones, but with cars and with big, Vin Diesel's big marshmallow head. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, that's not a great film. I want to quickly move on to Fast Five, which is genuinely one of the best action films of the last ten years. Okay, I can't believe I ignored it on release because I was like, what, it's the fifth film in a Fast and Furious franchise? It's going to be shit, um, even if it has got the rock in it. It has got the rock in it. It's set in Rio. It's a heist movie of the highest calibre. I, I, I think it's my favourite heist movie, I'd say since I saw The Thieves, which was only a couple of months ago. But those two together are my favourite heist movies of the last ten years. It, um, it's got fantastic stunts. It actually makes cars, for me, someone like me, quite exciting. I was driving around town today thinking... I could just drift around that car. It's very dangerous to watch this much Fast and Furious and then jump into your own car. Not a good idea. Um, Great soundtrack. I'm I'm starting to get into all this terrible metal, rap metal music. Oh, God. Um, But it's it's got The Rock in it. It's got Vin Diesel, who I really like in these films. I genuinely really like Vin Diesel in these films. He's perfect for them. I've already said I'm a big fan of Triple X. Um... 
And I'm a big fan of um, Pitch Black as well. I've, I've got time for Vin Diesel. Paul Walker is hilariously bad in all of these films. He is like an excitable kid who's just literally been told, you get to drive cars around all day with The Rock. And that's how he acts. That, that comes across on screen. He, um, it's like he's trying to be bad, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, but then there'll be a scene where he's just like a kid being told a bedtime story. Um, <laughs> and he wears these ridiculous shirts. Uh, I, I find it difficult to you know, traditionally criticise these films in terms of film criticism or even review them. They are an experience. Um, I, I'm just all about the American muscle now. It's completely taken over my head. I, I cannot stop thinking about The Fast and Furious. I really shouldn't have watched so many films of the same type in a week, but it, it's... it's <laughs> you, you just have to watch them. They, I know this is not my most eloquent that I've ever been on this podcast. Um... Fast and Furious 5, I would say, has got a brilliant bad guy, has got about three fantastic heisty moments, and has a set piece with a safe attached to two cars, um, which is literally has to be seen to be believed. It is one of the best... It's some fantastic stunt driving. It is brilliantly technically made. Um, and... And and you've got The Rock and Vin Diesel facing off and having a big old fight as well. It, it, it's brilliant. Um, I don't know what else to say. I'm going to save the rest of my comments on the Fast and Furious franchise for our main review. Okay. Owen, your turn. My turn. Okay, I saw um, two films by the same director this week um, by, uh, I think you pronounce it, Derek Siamfrance. Is that how you say it? I think that's right, Siamfrance. yeah. Siamfrance, anyway. Um, he's an American director. He's directed two films. Oh, I think he's directed three films, but the two that I've seen both star Ryan Gosling. One is Blue mm. Valentine, released in 2010, and the other is um, The Place Beyond the Pines, which was released earlier this year in the UK. And I absolutely adored both of them, particularly The Place Beyond the Pines. It's film that's. It's basically it's a, a film that's split into three stories. So the first story introduces you to Ryan Gosling, who's um, down on his luck. He's, not, he's, he's a stunt rider. He rides motorbikes um, in a circus or, or sort of a carnival thing. And anyway, he ends up um, with a, an illegitimate child, which he then decides to take care of. He's got to rob banks. So then the second part of the story is where you're introduced to Bradley Cooper, who is a cop, um, so their paths sort of intertwine quite nicely. And then there's another part, which I don't really want to go into a lot of detail about because it'll spoil mm. what happens, but it's basically then set 15 years in the future from when they first meet. Um, and it is such a, a sublime film. I'm just... It's been a week since I've seen it, and I still occasionally, just if I'm bored, just sitting there. Like today at work, I had a lot of meetings. That, well, it was a long, long meeting today. And you sort of zone out. And even just then... I just started thinking, God, that really was such a, a brilliant film in a lot of many different respects. And that doesn't happen quite often because, mm. you know, partly because of the volume of films I watch, but also you don't really catch a lot of films that, that grip, or that I, I don't catch a lot of films that grip me in that, that kind of way. So it's really sort of stayed with me. And I think um, it, it, it's, it's such a well-made film as well. All of these three parts just fit together mm. so well. The acting in it is just fantastic. I mean... We know, so joked earlier about Ryan Gosling retiring. Mm. I think in this film, and I didn't really get him properly mm. um, before. I thought he was good in Drive, but he plays a kind of 
weird character in that, and you're not sure how mm. he's playing it. And, but he he's good in that. I've seen him in Ides of March. I thought he was good. Um, yeah. Earlier in the year, of course, it was Gangster Squad, and yeah. you know he plays quite a cartoonish. Which was character. a bit just a bit fluffy. Yeah, wasn't it? but yeah. you know he was good in that. You know as well, yeah. he's playing his character well, um, given the sort of boundaries of what what, he, what mm. that film's for. And but these two films, they just show how mm. brilliant an actor he is. Partic- I mean, mm. he's great in The Place Beyond the Points. I think he's got a certain freedom about his um, mm. his acting in this, and he just. Yeah you know, thrives on it and it, it's just such a good performance. Probably one of my favourite of the year. I think Jude Law was fantastic in side effects as well, but, mm. you know, the two of them together. Uh, oh, and of course, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis. In the yeah. Shows, but, um, but those sort of three performances are, mm. are just... Uh, yeah, I, I also saw it. Weirdly, I watched those two films this week as well because um, Place Beyond the Pines is still in some cinemas, um, if you can kind of get there so I knew I was going to be watching that so I also watched Blue Valentine as well which is on uh, Netflix US that's where I watched it it might be on other versions it's on, of Netflix yeah it's on Love Film as well at the minute okay oh excellent yeah. um, which also stars Michelle Williams and just you know you, I, I just reiterate what you said about Place Beyond the Pines fantastic film third act lost me a little bit I'll be honest um, yeah I mean I think pro- I think the, the last the third act is what is it's catching a lot of people and the, you know they're finding mm. it as slightly contrived and i suppose it is really it's, it, well it's like classic literature it's, it's like a greek tragedy it is in, in a sense um in that what it does is it ties up every end very very tightly and some people aren't quite used to that anymore but that's a, it is classic storytelling in a sense um so but i i just the the acting the, the performances in the third act just weren't quite a strong no? for me, but um, Jane, Bradley Jane. Cooper yeah, is fantastic in yeah. this film as well, and I'd, he definitely deserves some recognition. Uh, Ray Liotta plays <laughs> typical Ray Liotta <laughs> character at the moment. It's just a horrible old man type thing, um, but no, and it looks beautiful, and there's some wonderful, wonderful shots as well. But I just want to quickly say uh, on Blue Valentine, which I think I preferred just a smidgen more. Um, but they're both fantastic films. Blue Valentine, uh, for those who don't know, is very quickly um, uh, Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams uh, play a youngish couple uh, with a child, and it kind of flits between the the breakup of their relationship in the present time and kind of intercuts that with how they first got together and that kind of contrasting natures of the young, exciting love. Um, and then the inevitable mm. demise of it, and it's it that's that was a very very powerful film for me. Yes. Um, anyone who's ever been in a relationship, uh, anyone who's ever been in a relationship which has ended and not ended particularly well, um, will it will really strike home in a few places. It was pretty horrible. What's great as well is um, in both films, Ryan Gosling's got no issue with you know, kind of uglying himself up a little bit for a role. You know, in in Blue Valentine, he looks dreadful in places, as does Michelle Williams. And, you know, it's it's a very, very real um, and raw film. Um, both got wonderful uh, soundtracks. I think it's Mike Patton mm. uh, who does the scores for both. Absolutely love both films. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I do hope that Gosling's sabbatical is, is a shortish one. Yes. I mean... Um we joke about it but I do genuinely think well 
if that's it, if you know the the film he's just shot, uh, the new Nicholas winning mm. film, is that if that's the last one he's doing, which I've heard he doesn't really have a lot to say in it either. Mm. He's got very seventeen lines. Seventeen <laughs> lines in the whole film. It makes me think. Well, he's just become become one of my favourite current working actors mm. in the space of a week and two films. Yeah. And now and now he's gonna. Leave and now he's you. leaving me. I know. Yeah. I'm gonna have to fill Bastard. the void with more Van Damme films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's a great film, and but I think I prefer the place beyond the point. It, it does remind me, like you say, of old classical stories, particularly old. If you compare it to mm. like um, sort of almost religious silent films, you got stuff like the Ten Commandments, for example. It's got that mm. final epic part, epic feel to it, which I think is losing a lot of people, as I say, because it seems quite contrived. But if you take it as a story, then I like it. And Blue Valentine is it's much more confined rather than you know, quite quite a large film. It's much more confined within the two periods of two people's lives. And, um, yeah, both both brilliant films. I can't recommend either of them enough. Okay. Jerry, have you remembered what you were meant to be reviewing yet? I have those two. Quickly. I'll be very quick. Um, both British films, actually. Have I talked about Four Lions on here before? Mm, no, but... Yeah. I don't think you have. Um, I'm always happy to talk about Four Lions, though. Yeah. Four Lions, right? Um, coming to the realisation that Four Lions is possibly one of the greatest British comedies of all time. Quite comfortably. It's fucking brilliant. I think I've seen it four, five times now. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life, but anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's the tale of um, the world's worst sort of Islam, Islamist wannabe terrorists. In Sheffield, obviously I'm from Sheffield, so I'm slightly biased in that it's quite funny that it's like places that I know. Um, Topical, you bringing this up today? Yeah. Mm. Well, you know. (laughs) Bring us down. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Um, Day of days. It's. I mean, anybody who's familiar with Chris Morris's work is going to know the kind of tack that it takes. It's, It's quite subtle. It's quite in terms of the message. The humour is is often understated, um, rather than being you know it's not sort of slapstick gags. But there's a mixture of stuff, there's a real mixture. But a lot of it is kind of little lines that you know, on rewatching you pick up on a different part every time. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those really really great comedy films where there's always something else to laugh about. Um, the story is pretty decent and it's got a lot to say about sort of British culture, and modern British society and the way we sort of interact with each other and how um, different communities integrate or don't integrate. But it's just piss your pants funny. It's one of the funniest mm-hmm. films. Oh, God. It's just brilliant. Are you a fan then, James? I No, I really like it. I've all, I, I, I basically love everything that Christopher Morris does anyway. Um, I've, I've been all... You know, I remember when I first watched the day to day when it was first broadcast and then, you know, Brass Eye. But Did anybody else um, enjoy um the MP from the Peter Geddon episode having his gay gay people rant this week, by the way? Yes, yeah, that was nice. What fucking idiot. Fucking. Um yeah, no, uh, Peter Geddon is one of my favourite episodes of television of all time. That may well end up on our hundred greatest television episodes series on the site. Anyway, um but Four Lions, what I think actually is just how brave it was as well because it is very funny um and in a sense it it's right up there with um dr strangelove for me in terms of someone going out there and saying the unsayable you know we 
and what I really love is he didn't just do a jokey kind of sitcom-y, oh, look at these crazy terrorists. He actually, it is very real in places um, because he's been out and talked to these people. He, Christopher Morris went to Afghanistan. You know, he has talked to people who have recruited um, you know, jihadists. And, and that shows as well that he has spoken to people who have been on that side of the coin. And, and that's possibly the scariest thing about it. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best things I can say about it as well, because a lot of people you know, sort of concerned that it's offensive weather. I mean, I was speaking to um, a colleague of mine who's Muslim this week, and he mm. thinks it's absolutely fucking hilarious as well. I used to. Uh, when it came out, I was working in a well-known mobile phone uh, retailer. Uh, I was a, a manager there. And I, yeah, it was indeed. I can do the finger yeah. thing as well. Uh, that's how I got the job. Part of the trade. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, virtually the entire staff that I worked with were Muslim, and they spent the entire day, uh, they, they, for months afterwards, saying, rubber dinghy rapids, bro. And so, yeah, they, they loved it, and they saw their culture in it portrayed just in a realistic way yeah and it sort of highlights the absurdity of a lot of things without being you know it's not saying this is a culture thing this is no like it's it's, no. it's highlighting the absurdity in the same way as and what it actually what i think it highlights is the vulnerability as well you know it's the vulnerability of young minds being kind of manipulated in this way um it shows you none of none of those four people uh, in it, are particularly evil. In fact, the most evil person in it is the kind of the white guy who, uh, yeah, is just a m- complete mentalist. The invisible terrorist. They speak yeah. Weird, they speak <laughs> there, but he's not there. He's blown up your slag sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it, uh, I think it actually does make a really good point um, that these are just normal British citizens who. In these, in some of these instances, do get dragged into this, and that—that's the great thing about it—is it makes a serious point that maybe we don't want to acknowledge. Um, and I think that's probably its greatest strength. Yeah. Oh, another just a quick shout out to another great British film from recent years, uh, "Looking for Eric," which was the Ken Loach film starring Eric Cantona. <laughs> yeah. Great, great film. Seen that like three times now. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a brilliant film. I, I want to see more of Eric Cantona on screen because I know we all laughed when he became an actor. But he's got when he's pl- especially when he's playing himself, he's got such great screen. Presence. He is brilliant in that. His film that was debuted today at Cannes um, featured him with a prosthetic penis, apparently. So I'm in. I'm there. <laughs> Isn't a prosthetic penis a dildo? Is that well, what we? I don't know whether it's kind of like a prosthetic version of his own penis, like that. So that oh, a bit like um, uh, Wahlberg in Boogie Nights, he had a prosthetic uh, okay. penis. I see. To, to, so he might, maybe he's playing like a, a bigger penis man than himself. Wow, this podcast is just got weird. sunk to a new low. <laughs> <I think. laughs> From terrorism to artificial penis, <laughs> covering all bases, high and low brow. We're all brow, mm. mono brow. Yeah, like the Gallagher's. Anyway, anyway, there's a '90s reference for you kids out there. Coming up very shortly is our review of Fast and Furious 6.
Fast and the Furious 6 in the sixth film, as I mentioned earlier, in this franchise, where Dominic Toretto, played by Vin Diesel, and his crew are back to help The Rock bring down an international group of terrorist kind of people. Here's a clip. This is exactly what cops do. He's messing with your head. Lady's dead, though. I need to know for sure. Then I'm going with you. You said you were going to leave this life behind. We both said that we were leaving the life behind. He's right. We're family. We got a problem, we deal with it together. And I'll feel safer knowing you're both out there, watching each other's backs. You're stronger together. You always were. No, go get Letty. There you go. We're stronger together as a family. We always were. Beautiful, touching, touching scene from Fast and the Furious Six. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real tug at the heartstrings film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've, I've not seen it, so talk amongst yourselves. And once you ramble on too much, I'll try and make it progress. Sounds good. Um. Okay, Owen, as someone uh, who, well, as we've had on the site, you've you've only ever seen the first one, so you've come back into it at number six. What were your thoughts? Oh, it was um, a pile of crap, basically. I uh, I'm shocked. Yeah, I mean, I did. I I didn't have high have to expectations. You're gonna have to race now to settle this. <laughs> really. All right, I'll get Over in my micro. Yeah, I'll get in my micro. You get in your micro, whatever. Yeah, souped up. Yeah. Right. No, I. I mean, like I said, I didn't go into it with high expectations at all the only thing I really knew about the franchise was um, that I'd seen the first one and I wasn't that keen on it but I couldn't really remember anything about it um, no specifics at all to be honest aside, well aside from that I knew Van Diesel was like a criminal and Paul Walker was a, cro- a cop that was it the only other thing um, that I had uh, to, to sort of set this film against was the fact that uh, Jerry talked about Fast and Furious 5 and said hey brilliant it was and so I <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect at all from Fast and Furious 6. I knew it had the rock in it. That's always a bonus. Um, mm-hmm. And I was... To, to say I was disappointed makes it sound like I thought it would be good and then it was crap. But I thought it would be a bit crap and it was crap. So I don't really... I'm just a bit indifferent to it, I suppose. Oh, I'm stunned. Yeah. So, I mean, the action scenes, <laughs> the action scenes are done well. But then... I sort of expected them to be done well, to be honest. Mm. And the point that you made earlier about it being like a soap opera is just so, it's just so spot on because the story, it's just got, (laughs) it's It's got every single, yeah, I know. I noticed as I was writing down my notes, I thought, the Fast and the Furious, that sounds like the bold and the beautiful (laughs) or the young and the, my God, this is a soap opera. And that's, you know, and in this we've got, fan favourites returning from the dead um, someone with amnesia yeah. uh, and it's just you know and you get all this whole thing about family there's even a reference to like oh you know evil twins and stuff it's a jokey reference but it is just like yet another soap opera which yeah if if you don't care about the characters those bits will grind your gears I imagine um, but the characters they're I, just so flat they're just like cut out of a soap opera and put into an action film 
I know, but if you spend time with them, <laughs> you just need to spend time with them. I, I, I do think, what I will say, I, I know Owen's not a fan of Vin Diesel. No. Um, in fact, the, your, I did make me laugh, your review on uh, on the site about him having three facial muscles. Um, yeah. I, I can see that. I, I can see it. And But I, I like it. And, you know, and it's... I, I think he's... I think Vin Diesel does what he needs to do in these films. He, he's got that really deep-throated voice. He sits there, barely moving. He's like, um, he's like a giant tortoise. Um, kind of just sits there, barely moving a muscle, going... Like that, and then he gets in the car and drives. And that's all I need. But he him. could be anybody. It does, it's not necessarily Van Diesel that, make, that makes that character. That just I, could be anybody. I've seen I'm, wrestlers I'm, put in better, you know, except for The Rock, of course, and Jesse Ventura in, yeah. in Predator. I've seen wrestlers yeah. put in better performances. Wrestlers. <laughs> wrestlers, James. Wrestlers. wrestlers. WWE but, or WWF, whatever. What did we think to Gina Carano, by the way? Oh, she was all right. Meh. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. And she she did um, her action sequence. Her action sequences were done really well, but a little bit like Owen, I'd expect them to be done well considering her background um, in uh, kind of is she not extreme fighting? And then she did Soderbergh's Haywire, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought and there's a couple of characters I really liked. Um, I, I, I really like the guy who played Han. I, I, I just really like him as a character. Paul Walker, the thing is, about Vin Diesel, for me, he just looks ten times the actor he is when he's next to Paul Walker. That's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> he's just like an excited kid. But it, this, for me, this is one of those films where um, if, you like, if, if, you're, if you're in the mood to enjoy it, and I'm not saying Owen. I'm not saying it's Owen's fault. I'm just saying I was in the mood to enjoy this film, and then it delivered. It ticked every box for me. Um, you've got to ignore the fact that the script is terrible. Okay, the script is shockingly bad. Even the one-liners are kind of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. That's a terrible one-liner uh, for most of them. Um, and then there's the brilliant. I love it when it tries to get really serious. And there's this bit where um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson says. To catch wolves, you need wolves. And then I, I suddenly, no, that's not how it works. Surely that is a. Um, and at some point, someone else says something about it. they 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 crash it again. The rock they crash in like thunder and disappear like smoke or something. It's like so, you, so you're mixing metaphors <laughs> now, and it's, it's just. But the great thing about it is it takes those bits so seriously. Yes. Um, and if it didn't, this would be. A car crash of a film, excuse the pun, um, but it just about—I think it just about walks the line between um, so bad it's good and intentionally bad, terrible. It just about walks that line. I really enjoy. I, um, the thing about it, the, my first experience of uh, a Fast and Furious film had this sequence where they're robbing a, a fuel tanker, and it's in Fast and Furious, and there's a bit where. Uh, the tanker's going down the hill and it's about to crash. And they're doing this, trying to pull off this massively difficult manoeuvre so that Michelle Rodriguez playing Letty Ortiz can jump off of the thing onto Dominic Toretto's car. And it's, it's really dangerous stuff. And then like during that manoeuvre, the driver of the, um, the oil tanker just jumps out. Right. So for him, he's going, yeah, I'll just jump out and survive. And they're going through, the, you know, she, it doesn't go through her head to just jump out and survive. And that's, that's 
for me, is a metaphor for this entire film. So much of this film could be done so much more easily. And they go, yeah, but that's damn cooler to do it this way. And it's like the fact that they all talk with walkie-talkies, which makes me think, well, you've got one hand on the steering wheel, one hand on the gear stick. How have you got a hand on a walkie-talkie? You know, nothing about this film makes logical sense, no, I mean, the including ma- my enjoyment of it, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, the amount of times that they let the bad guys go. What? Yeah. Just don't let them go. How about that? Just, yeah. just keep them. You've got them. Yeah. Because trackers always work, don't oh, they? Yeah, yes, no, yeah. let go with the track. No, honestly, nothing makes sense. Nothing. It's there's more plot holes than in Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. Uh, it, it's it, you know it makes Damon Lindelof look like um, Citizen Kane. Uh, Citizen Kane, I mean, Orson Welles. You know, but the fact is, d- when you see those cars smashing around and a tank and then a plane, uh, I. D- I think eight-year-old me just came alive and really enjoyed this film. My one real complaint would be, and I heard um, Mark Commode say something similar on on BBC last week, every single set piece is in the trailer. Um, And there was an element, and I didn't notice it at the time, but actually, yeah, there's an element where if you've seen the trailer a couple of times, every single set piece, you're then waiting for the bit you've seen in the trailer, and that does kind of ruin it slightly. So... The fact I'd, I wish I'd gone in not knowing there was a tank, and I wish I'd gone in not knowing that a car drives out of a plane in flames because that does spoil it slightly. And now you've spoiled it for anyone who's listening, and that's in the film. Anyone who's been to the cinema for the la- in the last three months <laughs> will bit. So I'm not I'm not going to apologise for um, for talking about stuff that's in a trailer. I know. Uh, yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say. Because to be honest, if they're then what listening to this. Uh, having not seen the film, they're bigger idiots than I, and I'm a big idiot. Jerry, what did you think? I didn't think it was as good as the as five. No, no, it was a, it was um, a touchdown from five. Mm. I thought. Um, the the acting and the the dialogue, more the dialogue. <laughs> the dialogue is terrible, really, really bad. Yeah. Like oh, so bad. And basically, I found myself kind of waiting while they got the. The, the storyline just didn't matter, to be honest. I didn't give a shit. Um, and I found myself waiting for them to just get the talking out of the way so they could do something spectacular again. See, I'm I'm a bit perverse. I'm the type of person who used to watch wrestling for the storylines. So this, this was all... That's what this felt like, actually, at times. Or a computer game. I used to play computer games for the cutscenes. I'm, I'm, I'm a junkie for narrative. Um... And parts of this film, parts of this film were like watching a two-hour wrestling program, and and you'd have to put up with the terrible talky bits in between the actual wrestling. But I always enjoyed those terrible talky bits, and I always enjoy cutscenes in computer games. Never skip them. So maybe that's why I liked it so much. Oh yeah, I mean I love Metal Gear as much as the next man, but um, <laughs> I just found this. I, I don't know. I think. It, it, it was it was quite hit and miss for me. I would say it's a solid three out of five film if I was going to give it an arbitrary rating, but it it wasn't as good as, as I'd hoped. Let's put it that way. But at the same yeah. time, it wasn't bad. It was a decent action film. I, I I'd agree with the three out of five, but I'd give it four out of five for someone who 
really likes the series like I do. I, I, I can see it. I don't, I don't think it's objectively as bad as Owen thought it was. I, I don't think, think you can give it a bad review. It features The Rock literally throwing <laughs> a man into a window. <laughs> he literally was, gets up and throws him about ten feet. There were some brilliant leaps off of cars onto other cars. I'll give it that. It looked a little bit like the Avengers at times, didn't it? In terms of people flying around and crashing into things like the Hulk, it was it, there was yeah. And and did you catch that? Um, uh, the Rock was called uh, at various points Captain America, Hulk, and Thor at one point as well, which I thought was a weird little kind of nod to the Marvel films of the last few years. I didn't I didn't pick up on that no. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, someone calls him Captain America when he comes to the British security, like the CCTV place. They called him Captain America. Roman had him listed as um, Samoan Thor as his mm. ringtone, mm. which I thought was a nice little touch. And at some point, someone calls him Hulk as well. And I thought, oh, that, that's quite an interesting little... I don't know if... I couldn't work out if that was on purpose or if that's just such genuinely bad script writing. The only pop culture references the guy writing it has got are films that were acts in the last year. I'm going to go for the latter, I think. <laughs> also, oh, can we just... Go. We haven't spoken about how they just sort of shoehorned the inevitable Vin Diesel racing a, racing a, in an underground race scene in. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that, it wouldn't be a first appearance film. I know, but it felt like they just made an action film. The, I mean, yeah. the storyline, just the fact that they somehow involve cars in every plot is just yeah. ludicrous. But it was just like that, it just felt like completely tacked on. It was weird yeah. how that was. And, and they got at least four mentions of American muscle in there as yeah. well. I quite liked that scene. I thought it was quite good, just be, purely because it was the way it looked, you know, mm. the night, um, you know, London at night with all the different mm. lights and stuff. I thought that was quite good. And as I said before, the action scenes were done quite well. Mm. It's just the talking bits really do drag it down if I'm going to use the same rating system to a 2 out of 5 mm. I think because it's just oh. dire you can't give it 2 out of 5 it's got the rock in and he throws a man <laughs> into a window the rock is earning one of those marks on his own yeah. I gave 2 out of 5 to uh, Welcome to the Jungle and Owen's still not forgiving me I've not gotten that. over that yet no <laughs> you can't give it 2 out of 5 because it features the rock giving someone <laughs> the most epic handshake since Predator <laughs> There is a, there is someone who hasn't seen the film yet, um, or, and probably won't now. The, the, street, <laughs> the street race scene was that set in London? Yes. yes. Because from the trailer, I can guarantee you now a million percent that the girls in the trailer are not the kind of girls you get in the legal <laughs> street race if it was held in England. I'm telling you now. No. It's not look no, anything you... like that. No, they've been shipped in. They they would look like Jay Goody. <laughs> I'm not joking, and you know I'm not. No, no I was saying Tesco just... earlier in the car park. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Exactly. exactly. And there was no need whatsoever for for that the sort of dancing ladies bit of that section either. Again, though, that that's you've got to take the whole or none of it at all. That that kind of does sum up Fast and Fur- every single Fast and Furious film. Yeah. There's a race meet with scantily clad women dancing. It's the rules. The other the other point is that they're always trying to commit some crime or heist in like the mm. most indiscreet cars go they might be really fast but they're pretty yeah. indiscreet there's not going to be many people knocking around with them yeah it's just things like poor planning from a lot well, really well in, uh, fast so in fast five at one point they go we're going to need invisible cars and uh vin diesel does a little bit of an eyebrow raise that's all i'm going to say about fast five <laughs> 
I think <laughs> I would accept that path. Ride or die, people. Ride or die. There we go. Well, I'm going to become a street racer. I'm going to go to Tokyo and learn to drift. A good film about... I mean, I'm not completely against Fast and Furious 6 because yeah. it's to do with street racing. There's a good film, yeah. um, Initial D, which is a Japanese film which came out of an anime series, which was also mm. quite good. And that's all about this guy who learns to drift and he wins all these sort of racing things it's oh, about cool. his relationship that's quite interesting so I haven't I'll got anything against yeah. it because of that I just thought it was a really poor film I'll be honest it wasn't quite as good as I was expecting okay. well, but I was expecting the Oscar winner no right <laughs> so after this quick break we all have our recommendations for next uh, our recommendations to watch this week Right, welcome back to the final part of the podcast. We're going to recommend you all something to watch in the next week or so. Uh, Jerry, why don't you kick us off? Okay, there's a a theme developing here in my recommendations. I like to sort of throw something out that that is a bit foreign, shall we say. Um, And if you haven't seen... um, I've talked about it on here before... Guillermo del Toro, Pacific Rim's coming out, right? So first and foremost, if you haven't seen his previous films, so The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth, that's what you need to watch this week. I've decided that if you are not going to watch those before Pacific Rim comes out, and you're not, I mean, if you're not going to watch Pacific Rim, you're dead to me anyway, <laughs> but um, you need to go and resolve that. And it's, it's become apparent to me that far too few people have seen those films so go and get them on DVD, watch them, whatever format you can find them in. Oh, I thought you guys tell me they're on TV. Oh, no. Bollocks. I've, I've seen Pans, but I've not seen Devil's Backbone yet. I'll hunt it down, I suppose. Devil's Backbone <laughs> appears on the Horror Channel every so often. Yeah. I've not got the Horror Channel anymore, because I've downgraded my TV uh, right. package. <laughs> it, does, it does come on from time to time. And okay. I think Film 4 are pretty decent as well for sometimes showing... Mm. Um, Spanish and Mexican films but yeah you're probably going to have to find the DVD for this okay I will do just for you Jerry okay Owen um, I'm going to pick a film I've talked about it before um, and it's it's only in the last sort of year or so that it started reappearing on TV which I'm quite pleased about is Arachnophobia I think it was yeah. Disney's first horror film with Jeff Daniels John Goodman um, it's on watch uh, at 6.50 on Saturday. So, brilliant nice. comedy horror. Great great if you know you saw it as a kid and for the, na- mm. for the nostalgia yeah. now, but it's still a, a very good film, I think. James? Uh, I'm going to recommend a TV programme this week, um, and anyone who has got Netflix, um, those of you who haven't got Netflix, get the free trial, because on Sunday <laughs> we have... 15 brand new episodes all streaming at the same time of Arrested Development. The greatest sitcom of the last 20 years is back. Um, God, I love Arrested Development. It's all better than The Office. and Christ, it is. It's better than The Office. It is is literally the best sitcom of the last 20 years. Um, It's got everything you need. It's got... Is it better um, than that one with Jasper Carrot who married an Asian woman there as a disabled (laughs) child? Actually, no, it's probably not better than that. That, that was utter genius, sorry. What was I, that um, called? Oh, God, uh, I can't remember. 
because didn't the didn't the kind of didn't the child narrate it or something like that? Yeah. Oh God. What was it? Oh man, that was terrible. Someone Google that while we're still on on air in inverted commas. But yeah, Arrested Development. It's got um, it's, it's got absolutely everything. Uh, it is hilariously funny. Loads of callbacks. Very meta. Um, if you've not seen Arrested Development, just get onto Netflix because it's all on there as well. Um, all about me, d- Jasper Carrot. That's uh, yeah. It. yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, thanks for just trampling all that. <laughs> Steve, with your weird Jasper carrot, and it, was it Mia, um, Sohari or Mira what's her name? Seattle, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Her. Yeah. Anyway, um, any no. Seriously, Arrested Development is is a lot better than that. If you've not seen Arrested Development, you, you are a twat. There you go. <laughs> That's how angry I am if you've not seen it. So watch it. It's back on Sunday. Okay. I will recommend... Uh, well, if you don't watch a man, The Man from Earth, like I spoke, what I spoke about earlier, that's on Netflix US, you're an idiot because you should really watch it. It's great. Also, this will make James really happy. Out on Blu-ray, DVD, etc. this week is Les Mis. I want to watch it again and I don't know why. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Because it's amazing. I've already seen it. I've bought it on Blu-ray, and I've already seen it since I bought it. I had it pre-ordered a week before it came out in the cinema. I had. Do you know what? I had it pre-ordered off Amazon, uh, but they didn't deliver it. I hoped for like like a day or two early, like they used to. They don't seem to do that anymore. Shop two. I don't know if they do DVDs, but they do games. They always deliver early. Okay. They do Blu-rays. There you go. Okay. Okay. Weirdly, Steve, I, I had for a little bit. It's, I think it's gone away now. I had a compulsion to watch Rock of Ages again. I've not. I just thought maybe I was a bit harsh on it the first time. I think it's something about musicals. They crawl on your skin, get into your brain. <laughs> on, that, on that bombshell, what's up next week? Uh, next week is um, we've got a corridor of praise of Studio Ghibli films. So um, I'm going to definitely be looking at Jerry a little bit on that week to get us through that. But I will have seen at least five by then. But who, who's going to begrudge them a corridor of praise place, eh? Who really? Owen, I bet. Owen's going to be really snarky about them. No, <laughs> for, for what they've done for animations and for Japanese cinema, I suppose they deserve it. Okay. That's very magnanimous of you. Yes, you suppose. You. Oh. I guess so. If we're not inducting Van Damme that week, I guess Actually, we can do Studio G. The other recommendation I would say is uh, nationwide across the country, um, in Picture House and other independent cinemas, um, My Neighbour Totoro and Grave of the Fireflies is being shown as a double bill in cinemas, uh, as it originally was 25 years ago. So that's another little recommendation that fits into next week's podcast. If you live near a Picture House and you don't go and do that, yeah. You're a fucking abomination. <laughs> I'm taking my daughter to go and see My Neighbour Totoro on Monday, so I'm, I'm quite excited by that. But not Grave of the Fireflies, I hope. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was say, don't take her to that one. No. That's right. not a family-friendly film. That's all for this week, then. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks to everyone who contributed as well. We'll be back next week. The Fail Critics Podcast was devised and produced by James Diamond, hosted by Steve Norman with contributions from Owen Hughes and Jerry McCauley. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com and you can find us at failedcritics.com and on Twitter at at failedcritics. <laughs>